Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. News Radio 840 WHAS welcomes you to Jim Strader Outdoors, the area's leading authority on hunting and fishing. Jim Strader Outdoors is brought to you by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. For the outdoor home of your dreams, call Paul Thomas at 270-524-1980. Gary Roman's Firearm Service Center. Linden Animal Clinic, your pet's best friend. Sportsman's Taxidermy. Visit them at sportsmanstaxidermy.com. A.N. Roth Heating and Cooling, a family-owned business with over 100 years' experience in the Louisville area. Wildlife Habitat Solutions. Check Jim and his team on Facebook at Wildlife Habitat Solutions. And SMI Marine, getting your boat back on the water in no time. To join in on the conversation, call us at 571-8484 inside Louisville, 1-800-444-8484 outside of the metro, and pound 840 for Verizon wireless callers. Now, sit back and relax and enjoy the next two hours of Jim Strader Outdoors. We came from the West Virginia coal mines and the Rocky Mountains and the Western skies. I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. We can skin a buck. Run a truck line and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Good evening, everybody. Jim Strader here in the studio. Glad to be back with you on this. Pretty hot September evening. It's uh, warmed back up very, very quickly, about as quickly as it got cool. But uh, it's probably a little more seasonal in some respects. I uh, put a posting on my Facebook page this week, which is Jim Strader Outdoors. If you've never visited us there, I would encourage you to do so. It's the way I try to network with you folks during the week when I'm away from the radio and let you know what I'm seeing, observing trends, wildlife behavior patterns, things of that nature. At any rate, the posting revolved around the unbelievably rapid turn in leaf color that had occurred actually last week, Um, started the week before. And as I said in my post, I'm not talking about walnut and and, uh, cottonwood and the normal things that turn this time of year. Some of those trees are very commonly yellowing up some, but there's been color, including reds and oranges in in some of the maples, oaks. Um, Hackberry in particular seems to be hastening its color quite a bit, and it's very, very odd for at that time when I made the post before the middle of September. We normally don't see a whole lot of color until October, and even at that, sometimes up into October before we really 
get resplendent in full color. I'm sure most of you recall last year we went into color very quickly at the end of September, but that, in my estimation, was hastened by the drought. And uh, that drought period we had last fall was pretty serious and something that we obviously were monitoring at the time. I went back through my notes and uh, looked at that, and we did start to color up earlier than normal, but this year seems particularly odd to me. My comment was I think we're in for an early frost end or an early onset of winter in most probabilities, but we'll keep our eye on that and continue to monitor it and tell you what, what's coming. I've also noticed for you deer hunters out there, big change in deer behavior. It's being hastened by a lot of different things. Uh, in conjunction with the color, let me return to that for a second before I give you my behavior observation on the deer. In addition to the leaves changing color, soybeans are withering and turning yellow and are actually going to brown, first crop beans in particular, uh, very rapidly. It occurred right about the same time that the leaves did, and it's it's been a very noticeable change here in the last two weeks. Same with corn. A lot of corn is uh, the ears are starting to drop, the stalks are firing up, and it's going to be pretty rapid. Now, I know in western Kentucky you see a lot more of this than you do in central Kentucky, bluegrass, and east Kentucky because their growing season starts a little earlier and uh, they start harvesting much earlier than we do. It's not unusual to see beans and corn uh, being harvested much earlier than we do up in this part of the state. However, having said that, overall, it is still very early. The second thing I want to comment on is the change you're going to see on these deer around the fields. The fields are still very green in most cases, and alfalfa is still green, clover still green, but oaks are starting to drop their acorns, and it's early. Uh, I'm not talking, again, about squirrels knocking some out while they're starting to feed or sample them. I'm talking about trees starting to actually drop their acorns, and the same is true of beech. And when this happens, deer, there's nothing they love better than acorns. I mean, you, you can count on that. They just absolutely love them. And when they start to drop, they'll transition into the wood lots and deeper into the woods and you're going to see a lot of that, especially if you've been seeing your deer in soybean fields because the soybean fields are losing their palatability, as I mentioned, very, very rapidly. While we're on the subject of deer, I do, again, want to remind everyone there has been some epizootic hemorrhagic disease outbreaks in the state. Uh, that's EHD, and it's the hemorrhagic disease that, We've seen in the past, uh, as we all know, we had some really bad cases of that in years past. But this one is, is nowhere near as widespread, and it's nowhere near as severe, at least to this point. However, it is very much on my mind because we're going into very warm weather again. It's spread by gnats that bite the deer, and these gnats are very prevalent during the warm portions of the year, especially in late summer. Again, the epicenter of this is over in far eastern Kentucky, and 
Pike, Floyd, Johnson, Martin, uh, counties like that. So it's uh, it's there. There have been a few very isolated reports in the western portion of the state, but point is, if you observe deer that seems to have died from EHD, and one of the most common things you'll see about that is deer that uh, expire around water. Uh, this disease causes a really horrible fever in the deer, and they go to water to attempt to slake their thirst and try to survive. So if you're finding dead deer of any consequence around water sources or perhaps in a field edge, wherever the case may be, please call the Department of Fish and Wildlife and let them know so they can keep their hands around what's happening out there. All right, uh, we're going to talk fishing tonight with Captain Jim Durham. He, of course, owns Striper Fund Guide Service, and he has been absolutely slamming the stripers. He's also got a guide service on the Dale Hollow Lake where they've been catching a lot of walleye. So we're going to talk to him tonight. The numbers are 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty, your source for your dream home, vacation home, farm, or wildlife property. These folks have tons of listings. Paul Thomas is the broker. They'll even help you with your financing, and they're great people to deal with. They've been in business for 38 years. Check them out on the web at MOP. H-A-R-T-Realty.com. After decades of abusing my teeth by using them to clamp sinkers on fishing line or using them to cut my line when I was in a hurry, time had taken its toll. I had cracked and chipped several teeth, and it got to the point where I was almost embarrassed to smile. Not a good thing for a guy who's got a lot to smile about. That's where I asked my hunting partner and dentist, Dr. David O'Banion, to step in. As a colonel in the National Guard with tours of duty in Iraq, Egypt, and Central America, Dr. O'Banion has performed dental procedures all over the world. David used his extraordinary dental skills to repair my chipped and broken teeth so they actually look better than ever. Dr. David O'Banion does all types of family dentistry, surgery, and implants. I highly recommend him to help brighten your smile. His office is located in Middletown, a short hop off of Gene Snyder. Give him a call at 245-3707. That's 245-3707. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. Welcome aboard. Again, we're going to talk with Captain Jim Durham. He's with Striper Fund Guide Service tonight. If you have questions for us or any general outdoor questions, the numbers are 571 8484-1800-444-8484. Captain Jim, can you hear me now? Hey. Good evening, Jimbo. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Uh, A little belated happy birthday to you, number one. Well, thanks. I'm 19 today. Yeah, yeah. I'm 25 all over again, my own bad self. I remember when we was little kids growing up in St. Matthews, and me on Plymouth, and you up, and your brother Teddy up on Hillsboro. Yep, Brownlee actually. Brownlee, yes. My yep. bad. Yeah, well, bad. same neighborhood. Yeah, we're a couple streets apart. It's just kind of funny how it all go comes back sometimes, doesn't it? It is. It is for a fact. Second thing, folks, uh, Captain Jim has bronchitis, so if he has a coughing fit tonight, 
We've all been there. We've all done that. So I hope you'll excuse that, Jim, in that regard if you have to take a break for water or something. Yeah, I'm okay. Know. I'm just on the tail end of it. It's uh, just is what it is, changing the season, I guess. Yep, yep. You know, uh, a lot of folks, myself included, have been complaining about and besieged by allergies. The fall allergy season is upon us, and I just as a note of reference, I've been watching the weather a lot lately because of how – crazy it's been and some of the changes in foliage and other goofy things that I'm observing, but the pollen count's just been absolute Richter scale. I mean, it's... Off the chart. Yep. Down here at Del Holla, too. Is it? Well, I figured figured it probably was. Jim, well, it's, it's good to have you back on the program. We haven't had you on in a while. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things I'd kind of like to talk about tonight, but why don't we start with perhaps... Your overview of how the summer has been, uh, particularly with all the fronts that have come through, the exchange of water in the lakes and the river systems where you and your guides fish. Um, I know you all have caught some beautiful fish different periods. One of the main reasons I want to have you on tonight is we're going into that period when striper fishing really gets good, and, and it's already in high gear for you guys. So if you don't care... You know, talk a little bit about where we've been through the summer, what what condition the fish are in, what condition the lakes and the rivers are in, and then we'll dive into, you know, what you've been catching and technique and that kind of thing. Well, that sounds good. The uh, Lake Cumberland is, you know, in just in great shape. Uh, it was such a wet spring and early summer. Uh, a couple of months down here, at least in Tennessee, we had all-time, all-time record rains. I mean, it was just really wet. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Dale Hollow was up high. Uh, Lake Cumberland was up for the longest time, as you know. We Last time I was on with you, I think, uh, we, we did a couple hours. It was, the lake was high. Yes. But everything's back to about where it should be now. Um, the lake fishing is just terrific. This time of year, the stripers... As you move into September, uh, uh, you know, we're halfway through now, and we're going to move into October. And they will go the deepest they go uh, starting now through about October 25th. And the stripers in the lake are going to be down in the, you know, 70, 80, 90-foot range, holding in 100 to 110 feet of water, generally on points that have some mud shelves on them. And... um, that's kind of what's going on with that. But, you know, the water's cleared up. Uh, Dale Hollow is about where it should be this time of year. We've had a phenomenal year catching walleye at Dale Hollow, uh, mostly night trips, some day trips. Earlier in the year, the Dale Hollow day trips are good, you know, May and June. And then we start moving into night trips the four days before the full moon, the full moon, and four or five days after the full moon. But it's in good shape. The Cumberland River, I crossed it today coming back from Louisville. I was up seeing uh, Mom and all my family uh, for the birthday, and uh, and it was nice to see everybody. But we came across the Cumberland River, and, I mean, if I had to say, please, Lord, let me have it look like this, that's what it looks like. I mean, it's just in perfect, perfect condition. And the water levels are up where they need to be. The water's clear. And the fishing, quite frankly, on the Cumberland River this year has just been phenomenal. Um, we have caught big, fat fish. Uh, I 
don't know if you have the video I sent you, if you if Jordan's put it up on the board yet or not. But we had a day the other day where we caught five fish, weighed 187 pounds. It's hard to get any better than that. I no, understand. I mean you you and Bill and your buddy Bill from Georgia have been out with me, and you, and you know we you and I have done this for years, but. Whatever fish we were catching, you know, 51 inches, 48 inches, 46 inches, 45, the smallest fish of the day was 39 inches. So, I mean, it was just phenomenal. And I hadn't even told you this, Jimmy, but we we could have caught five more. We're in the middle of catching one, and we had the other ones going. (laughs) But, you know, one guy's reeling, and the other guy's shooting a video, and I'm directing everything and trying to net the fish. And all I could do is just put the other reels in gear tighten the drag down and hope he stayed on there because we could get done fighting the other one. Yeah, I saw in the video one time where where one fish was getting ready to cut across the other and the, the angler was in bed of a panic. He said, no, he's got room. He's going to go around. Yeah, I said, he'll get around him. Let the other one will swim away. And, you know, they end up getting off like that when you're not keeping steady pressure on them. But uh, we probably could have caught four or 500 pounds of fish that day. And it's just going to get better as we move into the winter months. I love fishing in the summer. I mean, I love fishing the Cumberland River year-round. And, you know, with uh, with all the different seven bodies of water that my company's on, Kentucky and Tennessee, and all the, you know, a dozen or so guides that uh, I work with and work for me, uh, I just spend most of my time on the river because after, you know, doing this since I was a little kid and Dad bringing me down here, the thrill of a 40-, 50-pound fish hitting you know, it's just hard to get by that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, if somebody's never experienced it, they really can't identify because it is a whole different ball game. And those, I mean, we're using thick rods, fifty pound test line, titanium hooks. You're using live trout. Tennessee lets you do that. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we're only forty five minutes from Lake Cumberland, right? So it's not like it's way down in Tennessee. Yep, yep, and. uh you know, but that trout comes up on the surface, and you can see that four-foot, four-and-a-half-foot predator coming in behind him. And you've seen it when that trout comes up. I mean, it's sheer panic in that trout. I mean, he's going everywhere trying to get away. It's just like a water bug skipping across the surface. Yeah, it's it's a sight to behold. There's no doubt about it. It is. It's kind of like, you know, kissing, kissing your wife your first time all over again. It's the same <laughs> thrill. Every time. Yes, sir. And then, of course, I get to see people who've never done it before and hand them the run and say, here you go. And, you know, it's uh, – so I, yeah, I really like that part. But, you know, the lake fishing is wonderful, too. They're such great eating fish, these stripers are. My guys were out today. Everybody had a limit the first couple hours. And, uh, you know, fishing deep and downlining. And what else can I answer for you right this second, Jim? Well, I feel like – Almost all the lakes in the state have been in a very unique uh, flux, I would say. Yes, uh, because there's so much water exchange this year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's never been a stagnant period when something like a thermocline or, or what have you would have become a big factor, and there's been oxygen, you know, just abundant top to bottom in, in almost all the lakes. And this provides. A pretty good situation for the fish. It can be frustrating for the fishermen sometimes mm-hmm. because the fish are scattered. But uh, is that the condition you find Lake Cumberland in? I mean, just good oxygen and fish in the column down to Well, with all the rain that we had, Jimmy, in May and June, I was worried about, uh, remember the fish kill we had eight years ago? Mm-hmm. 
where we had a lot of rain and the cold water seuss got you know sucked out but that was before the dam was finished and the water was back up right so i was a little worried with all the rain we had this spring that perhaps you know something like that could occur but we haven't had any fish kill and and with the water being back up especially when they held the water as high as they did. Normally, there's high water in April and May. And then by June, everything's back to about 725 above sea level where it should be. But they held that up. They held that water up all the way through July because of all the rain we had. Right. So, but with the water being back up, it's not like the cold water sluice got sucked out like it did last time, which deprived these fish of their oxygen. And, you know, we had a fish kill, of course. When you hear fish kill, everybody panics. Oh, my God, we lost 30,000 fish. Well, you got to remember, they stock a half a million a year for the last eight, 90 years. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of a drop in the bucket, but you hate to see it in either way. Right. You okay. Know, all together, it, you know, it, it, it's good. Everything's in great shape. These fish are schooled up. Um, so it's not like you're pulling planer boards like you normally would. And you yeah, I, a lot of water. Jim, I want to get into technique after the break, okay, which inc- incidentally we're up against. All right, folks, if you want to call tonight, got any questions for Jim or myself, 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. This break is presented by my friends at SMI Marine. Lots of used boats have come in on trade, great deals on them, and great deals on the 2017s. You'll never get soaked by my friends. At SMI Marine. I don't know anyone who loves the outdoors who doesn't have a dream property in the back of their mind. It might be a secluded cabin on a river or stream, a small farm with lakes or ponds teeming with fish, or a wildlife management property with mixed timber and farm ground loaded with deer, turkey, and other wildlife. Paul Thomason and his family at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty can make all these dreams come true. They've been doing so for 36 years. Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty is located in Munfordville, right in the heart of Central Kentucky's fish and wildlife mecca. They specialize in recreation properties, farms, and lake and riverfront getaways. Make your dreams a reality. Give Paul Thomas at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty a call at 270-524-1980 or check them on the web at mophartrealty.com. That's M-O-P-H-A-R-T, Realty.com. Gun World and Archery Pro Shop in Corydon, Indiana, is ready to help you with all of your firearm and archery needs. The new bows from Matthews, Hoyt, Elite, Bowtech, and Bear are in, and their pro staff is eager to help tune and accessorize your equipment. They also carry 10-point Excalibur, PSE, Parker, and Barnett crossbows. They're stocked up with loads of new deer rifles that meet the specs, for Indiana's new deer hunting regulations, too. Gun World and Archery Pro Shop, Highway 62 North in Corydon, across from John Deere. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, we're talking with Captain Jim Durham with Striper Fun Guide Service this evening. And if you'd like to call in, got any questions about striper fishing or hunting or anything else concerning the outdoors, we'll be glad to take your call. The numbers are 571 571- 8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Uh, Jim, before the break, we were talking about the condition of the lake and what it's produced. You've been fishing the river uh, for several years now in a, in a concerted way. What is your read on the number of fish and their 
their girth. I want people to understand these river fish, a little different breed of cat, uh, much different scenario than you have in the lake, in my opinion. Well, the fish are going to be bigger in the river, uh, especially down in uh, you know, Tennessee, which, you know, we, we fish, you know, just right at the Kentucky border and, you know, all the way from 20 miles down. I basically, Jimmy, have three banks I fish about four months each bank. I fish year-round on the river, okay? But these fish in the river uh, have a great advantage over the fish in the lake for several reasons. Uh, and they get much larger. Their girth is much fatter. Mm-hmm. They're much healthier. So the first reason is the river water is about 50 degrees year-round coming out of the uh, the uh, bottom of Lake Cumberland, out of the Wolf Creek Dam, okay? And cold water is much more heavily oxygenated, meaning that they just get more of what they need from a vitality standpoint. Mm-hmm. So they're just healthier. They, they, you know, it's just like, you know, if, if we had oxygen being, you know, mask wearing them all the time, we'd breathe better, everything would be better. And it's the same thing with the fish. So first of all, the second thing is that their trout and their skipjack, which is their main diet in the river, just have a high protein content. So they're eating a much higher protein than a regular lake shed. Okay? And especially when, you know, they're stocking up on trout most of the time. Cumberland River is flat full of trout. And the tributaries that feed into it, they're full of trout. And these fish eat trout most of the time. So that's the second reason. The third reason is that uh, they fight the current all the time. And as everybody knows, muscle weighs more than fat does. And these fish are just athletes. You know, they're extremely muscular. They go on powerful runs, and especially when you're fighting one in the current. It is a whole different ball game. And then lastly, in Tennessee, a striper has to be 42 inches long to keep it. So, I mean, a 42-inch fish, that's three-and-a-half-foot-long fish. Mm-hmm. So all the fish, you know, smaller than that are always put back. Now, we generally catch and release 99% of our fish. If a customer wants to mount one that's 42 inches or longer, sure, they can do that. And But it's it's most of the people, and I have people, Jimmy, that have come see me every year from half the country or more. I've had visitors from 27 states this year already. And they come from California, they come from Maine, Florida, Oregon, Texas, Wisconsin, Idaho. They come from everywhere. And a lot of them just want the thrill of a lifetime of, you know, catching a massive fish like this. And, of course, you know, we take some nice GoPro videos and, you know, try to take care of them. But those are the advantages, the four major advantages of why these fish in the Cumberland River just get on big. Yes. Yes. Well, as you recall, the striper was a very controversial fish uh, back in the old days. I worked hand-in-glove with Charlie Bowers, who was the fisheries director at that time, mm-hmm. who to this day, when I look back on his insight and his instincts about these things, he was a genius. He was he was way ahead of his time. He uh, worked under Don McCormick and was given the green light to do the stripers, and it was controversial. You know, a lot everybody of, thought everybody thought they were going to eat all the bass. So. Yes, yes. And of course, I'd had the opportunity through uh, friends and family to have a lot of knowledge about what was going on at Santee Cooper, mm-hmm. which is the original lake where they discovered that saltwater stripers could actually thrive in a freshwater, in freshwater. environment. Mm-hmm. 
and it didn't hurt the bass fishing over there a darn bit. And there was years of of research and study on that that indicated that. So when they came here, it was an interesting situation because when Kentucky started stocking them at first, people didn't fish for them much. And during that, oh, I don't know, Jim, 10 to 15-year early period before we had uh, uh, alewives in the lake, you basically had thread fin and gizzard shad, thread fin being the the most prolific, and the fish fed shallower, they were more visible, and there was huge fish in the lake. I mean, it was, you know, if you were a pretty good angler and had an eye for those things, you could catch fish in the 30 to 40-pound range, you know, several years without any trouble. Right. Well, a lot of things changed. Number one, striper fishing got very, very popular. Uh, people started understanding how to catch them. Technology caught up with us. You know, these new uh, units, these electronic units that you utilize, for example, and I'd, I want to talk tonight some about that because you're one of the smarter guys I've ever met about using that kind of technology. But point being, people could find these fish now. You know, they could stay on them. They could understand what they were doing at various depths. When those things came together... Luckily, Fish and Wildlife upped the ante and kept stocking, stocking, stocking and increasing the numbers they were stocking, realizing, of course, that this was going to be a magic situation. And so what's developed now is you got these stripers in the river. And here again, I was one of the first guys that ever figured out, really, in a way, how to catch those fish. Um, they, Can I they, add something to that, Jim? Absolutely. You know, years back when we were fishing for stripers, before they put the alewives in, um, the thread fin and the gizzard shad really never went deeper than about 25, 30 feet. Exactly. Okay? And they also didn't migrate very much. So if we had a bunch of, you know, bait, you know, stocked back in a couple-mile hollow, you can go in there and you could just wear the stripers out day after day. Yes. Well, then these alewives were not stocked. They were brought in uh, by people from Michigan that brought them down to fish, and they proliferated. And they are now the main uh, bait source in the lake. And the alewives, they will go as, as deep as 80, 90 feet, which is why right now we're catching fish at 80, 90 feet, okay? They also will migrate, and they'll move around in big schools. So the fact that we have the electronics, I wouldn't say it gives us an advantage. I would say we're just kind of staying even with it. <laughs> Okay. Well, I guess my point is, if we didn't have today's technology, mm-hmm. given what the alewives have driven these fish to do, then you'd really be a lost ball in high weeds. You, yeah, it's there. And there used to be a tremendous surface bite for the people out there that have never seen this to see a, a school of five hundred stripers come up and feed on the surface. All of a sudden, and what it is is all this frenzied action is happening under the water, and you just don't know it. Yes. Okay. And they're corralling these fish into a great big bait ball, and then they'll get underneath them, they drive them to the surface. And then you'll see the seagulls and the birds are getting them from the top, and the stripers are getting them from the bottom. And you can get into that, and you can just have a great time, you know, catching fish. But, of course, you can't catch and release, and this is where so many people get in trouble. You're allowed to keep a couple fish, and then, you know, you got to quit fishing. Mm-hmm. But... uh to see something erupt like that 
You know, I'll throw one of my Captain Jim's little friend blade baits into that, and I mean, you're just hammering the fish. But you don't see that much anymore because the frenzied fish action, uh, like that on the surface, is generally at nighttime in May. Uh, and then you'll see some of it in November and December, but not much, not a ton, because, again, the alewives normally are staying pretty deep, where in the old days the thread fin and the gizzards were closer to the surface, and it was much easier to drive them to the surface quicker. Yes, exactly. If that makes sense to you. It makes great sense. Uh, back to the river situation versus the lake. Mm-hmm. Fish that are released in the river because of the current, because of the cold water, Excellent survival rates, in my estimation. Uh, you know, those fish seem to bounce back. We've caught, you know, fishing together some great big fish that we had to fight for a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. Buddy, when you release them, <laughs> they go fly it off. Yeah, I mean, it's that big surge. Whoosh, they're gone, buddy. Yeah, I mean, we take them and we hold them by the tail and, and kind of move them back and forth in a natural swimming motion. Okay. Yes. Until all of a sudden they jerk so hard that they jerk away from you, then you know they're going to be okay. Yeah, I can't say that occasionally we don't lose one. It's a sad time, you know, when it happens. But, you know, if if we're, you know, fishing a 14-inch, you know, the bait I fish, as you've seen, is anywhere from 14 to 18 inches. Okay. Yes. I mean, we're using two-pound piece of bait. So I can't help but if every now and then one swallows it, you know. Yep. And if he does, you know, I'll cut the line. But even if you cut the line, if you can see him bleeding, you know, and, and again, he swallowed the hook and it cut him, uh, you know, but we still put him back and, you know, pray over him and hope that they'll make it. Uh, sometimes, you know, I think maybe it may not. We get a floater every now and then. If he's over 42 inches, we'll keep it. Yes, yes. You know, you just, but generally, you know, again, 90 Eight percent of the time, we release the fish. If people tell me ahead of time they want to take a trophy, then I'll bring a trophy box on the boat with me. Okay, have some ice in there, and and, and it's their right, it's their charter. If they want to keep a trophy, God bless them. It's great. It it keeps our buddy uh, a sportsman's taxidermy busy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's one of your advertisers. I'll throw a plug in for Damon. Well, he's an excellent taxidermist he and a is great guy. Jackie Bluegrass champ. He is the man. Yes, sir. He sure is. You know, so, I mean, it's, we got to keep him busy some, too. But we normally just really don't do a lot of that. And the people, I just meet the nicest daggone people that, you know, come in. I have professional fishing guides this year, Jim, that own an island up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And all summer, they walleye fish. But they get tired of, you know, they get their season's only three months long or so. Right. Okay? And the rest of the time, they were getting itchy. They came down in, in December. And uh, and I put them on some, you know, big 35, 45-pound fish. I, I couldn't wipe a smile off these boys' faces. Well, I bet not. I bet you know, not. They, they had never really experienced anything like that. So I made some good lifelong friends. And friends you meet fishing or, you know, people that fish, I think, are just, you know, they get it. Oh, yeah. You know, that, the whole outdoor thing. and Yeah, it's a, it's a great leveling experience, no doubt. we got to go to break here, Jim. Coming back, I want to talk to you a little bit about the techniques that uh, you're utilizing on the lake and, you know, take an overview of, of what's around the corner. Again, to reach us tonight, folks, call us at 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. Paul Thomas is a broker. He is a great guy for you guys to network with if you're looking for a wildlife management property, a farm, 
vacation cabin, anything of that nature. He's a serious hunter and fisherman himself. He understands these properties. His family's been in this business for 38 years. And believe me, they will do everything they can to hook you up with your dream property. Again, Paul Thomas, Mossy Oak Properties, Heart Realty. Check them on the web, M-O-P-H-A-R-T, realty.com. If your house was on fire, the most precious possession you would save first would undoubtedly be your family pet. Next to family, they're one of the most important parts of our lives, and that's exactly why I trust my pet's health and happiness to Dr. Kurt Oliver and his staff at Linden Animal Clinic. I know firsthand Dr. Oliver's surgical and diagnostic skills are extraordinary, just what you need when your pet's in need. From the time his nurturing staff greets you at the door, you'll know that Linden Animal Clinic is the place to trust with your pets, just like I trust them with mine. Linden Animal Clinic, 1000 Linden Lane, 425-5834, or check them out at lindenanimalclinic.com. This is Gary Roman. Whenever I'm on Jim's show, I get lots of questions like, what shotgun should I buy? What handgun is best for personal protection? Or what is the best scope for my rifle? There's only one sure answer. Come see us at Firearms Service Center, the one place to go to solve all your firearms problems. Purchase guns, ammo, holsters, and supplies. Whether it's your first firearm or your next custom-built gun, service or repair, come see us at Firearms Service Center, Bargetown Road, in the Eastland Shopping Center, Louisville, Kentucky, or visit us on the web at firearmservice.com. For personal service, there's only one Firearm Service Center. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors, talking to Captain Jim Durham with Striper Fund Guide Service. If you'd like to question Jim about anything, striper fishing, walleye fishing at Dale Hollow, sauger fishing in the Cumberland River in the winter, numbers 571-8484, Jim, uh, you have guides on several other lakes. I do want to give a shout-out to an individual that you introduced me to, and that's Bob Alsop, and he is with Striper Memories Guide Service down on Tim's Ford. And that is a pretty short drive from a lot of our listeners. Totally different kind of lake in many regards, uh, loaded with hybrids, for example. But stripers and hybrids mix. The average size of the stripers is very, very good. It's nowhere near... You know, what you've got in the river and what you all catch at times in Lake Cumberland. But you want to just give a kind of a mental flip through on, on what you've seen there and what, what's coming around the corner at those places? Well, the water's getting cooler here through the fall. It'll be trolling season. And uh, Captain Bob's been running trips for me uh, for years down there. And uh, I met him as uh, he buys my Captain Jim special brand of uh, lures. Yes, and uh, that's how I met him. Is he's buying so many lures? I find him. I gotta have to go talk to this guy. And uh, but yeah, Tim's Ford Lake is full of stripers and hybrids. Uh, the hybrids there average about six to eight pounds. You'll occasionally get one, you know, up close to ten pounds. And we mostly troll for them. We'll troll my uh, Captain Jim special uh, mini umbrella rigs and uh, uh, some striper muggers and some different things. And uh, 
You can do some live bait, but truthfully, it's just so full of, of hybrids and stripers. You'll occasionally get a 20-pound striper. Most of the stripers are in the you know, 10 to 12-pound range. Mm-hmm. But it's a day where you've been down there on, uh, on several occasions going out with Bob. And uh, as you know, I mean, it's 40, 50 fish days. Oh, it's it's it's, it's wow! It is. I mean, if you want to have numbers and just get your rod bent all day, and when you're trolling and moving, you know, two mile an hour uh, with a gas motor, and you're bringing a fish against that pressure and current, you know, you get a little bit of a workout there, even with a you know six eight ten pound fish. Well, the last time I was down there, we got into schooling fish that were in the jumps, and th- this this school had to be. 150 yards long by 50, 60, 70 yards wide, and it, it was game on. I mean, it was just really, really fun. And, and those fish down there, for whatever the reason, seemed to surface uh, to a greater degree than than the fish at some of the other lakes. Well, it's like, not as deep a body of water either. Right, right. So it's it's, but it's a cool place. Now you got a couple other lakes in Tennessee that. Yeah, well, let's talk. That. Now, a lake real similar to Tim's Ford is Cherokee Lake over by Knoxville. Now, Cherokee's pretty good-sized body of water. It's about the size of Dale Hollow, okay? Mm-hmm. And it has not a super deep lake. Most of it's about you know, where we fish. The areas we fish are between 30 to 50 feet deep, okay? But it has some cold water springs in it that naturally come up. You can be in the summertime. Uh, you know how the water gets in the summer and surface water's, you know, 78, 80 degrees, okay? Mm-hmm. And you can move back into a cove and suddenly you're in 45-degree water. Gee whiz. And you're thinking, well, what in the world's going on with that? Well, it's a, a natural cold water spring in a number of different coves on the lake, which is a fascinating ecostructure type of situation. And it is chock full of stripers, and the hybrids in that lake, Jimmy, get up to 15 pounds. Oh, man. I mean, they're like tiger hybrids, okay? And, son, you better be holding on to your rod. We don't pull a lot of boards. We do a lot of downlining there because the fish school up. And, you know, we put out four or five downlines, and you move through a school, and they all go at the same time. And you just got to figure which one's pulling the hardest. That's the one you grab first. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, I got a lot of vi- there's a lot of video on this, folks, on uh, my Facebook page on Stiper Fun. And you can see the Cherokee Lake. But the guys that work for me over there, uh, the two of them, I have, uh, uh, you know, they they, li- they one of them lives there, and they both fished it for 35 years. Yes, just yes. like my guy on Dale Hollow. You know, he's fished it for 35 years. Yep. Okay, we'll get to Dale Hollow in a minute. Yeah, and Jim, we, we got about small, a minute here before the news break. Fine. We catch smallmouth bass at Cherokee Lake, and that's just a happenstance. You know, while we're in the middle of catching 30, 40 stripers and hybrids a day, we may catch a dozen smallmouth, three to five pounds. And to me, they're just, you know, even though I love smallmouth, I don't want this to come off funny. But, you know, when you're fishing for stripers and hybrids, it's, God, it's another one of these things, you know. Of course, you, you know, you get the jump in a five-pound smallmouth jumping around. It's a good time. Some of our customers come just to do that. And then we fish the Clinch River as it comes out of Milton Hill. Uh, the Clinch River is uh, a wonderful fishery. We normally fish a lot of shad there. We don't fish any trout because they've never seen them. Uh, but that's wonderful. And then we fish, of course, Norris Lake. And one of my guys lives up on Norris Lake as well. Okay, and he's fished it for 30 years. Jim, I've got to go to break. We'll return to this after the break, folks. This break is presented by SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road, 
just north of the Gene Snyder, got a lot of trade-in boats, got great deals on their 2017s. And remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI Marine. Sportsman's Taxidermy is dedicated to providing you with a lasting memory of that special hunting or fishing trip. Owner Damon Custis always strives to provide a quality piece of taxidermy work that you'll be proud to display in your home or office for a lifetime. In business since 1978, Sportsman's Taxidermy uses the best materials and techniques in the industry, respectfully handling your mount for personal satisfaction that you'll be proud of for years to come. Sportsman's Taxidermy, where quality is an attitude. Check them out at sportsmanstaxidermy.com. I'm very passionate about wildlife. That's why I've teamed up with two extremely talented and knowledgeable wildlife managers, Shane and Caleb Butler, to form a new company, Wildlife Habitat Solutions. Our team has more than 80 years combined experience doing habitat evaluations, food plot and warm season grass plantings, and hands-on management to make all your wildlife dreams come true. Check us out on Facebook at Wildlife Habitat Solutions or call us at 270-537-5739. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.